I'm starting today on a somber note, as we recently lost an incredible member of the TV community, Tim Sullivan. Tim was a remarkable man. He was full of life and jokes, and the almost impossible ideas we talk about so frequently on this show. I was lucky enough to have developed projects with Tim during my time at E, and judging by the absolute onslaught of loving tributes from all corners of social media, I wish I had known him even more than I did. This podcast is about ideas and how they make it to market, but it's really about people, how we rely on each other, support one another, and when we're at our best, how we make magic together. It's clear that Tim represented that type of spirit and then some, and his loss is a stark reminder to me about the type of people I strive to support and interact with in all corners of my life. Life isn't fair, and as evidence of that, Tim is leaving behind a wonderful wife and child. A GoFundMe in the Sullivan O'Donohoe name has been set up, and I urge any of our listeners who are in a position to give to do whatever they can to support Tim's family and his magnetic spirit. Much love to you all. Choose kind. There were a few times out there where I thought for sure this was never going to work and my career was over. Um, <laughs> and I was, you know, I literally, and you know, I was just like, this is a mess. I, how is this going to work in the Bay? You know, it, it, there were a lot of things about it that I was sure it was not going to work and we were doomed. Um, uh, and I just stayed positive because I had to and kept kept going. And then sure enough, it's a, it's a, it appears to be a semi-success, which is incredible. Welcome, friends, to Exec Producer. I'm your host, Noah Pollock. Every episode of Exec Producer offers a deep dive into one of your favorite shows from the point of view of both the producer who dreamt it up and the executive who championed it. Where the idea came from, the hurdles they faced in selling it, and ultimately, how it made it to air and into popular culture. I've worked as an executive at four separate networks, and I've produced and overseen hundreds of hours of television. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I hope to share some of that wisdom with you. So settle in, turn it up, and enjoy. And please also remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram at EP with NP. So with that, thank you again and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome. Welcome. We're rolling. Uh, here we are. And actually the first time here is actually at my home. I typically go and I visit my guests for the show, but today uh, two guests were kind enough to come and, and do it here uh, in, uh, in the home studio. And on my left, they are Del Shipman and on my right, Robert Bukta. And they are the producers of a show on Netflix that hopefully you've seen called You Versus Wild. It came out recently and it will be on forever because it's on Netflix. <laughs> so your great grandchildren will have the opportunity to, yeah. to yeah, to play along with this. Um, but the two the two uh, guests today have a long, long history together working on many of the Bear Grylls properties, not just this one. Um, and I think it should be a really great, lively, spirited conversation. Particularly if we bring up baseball, because Dell is, uh, you know, slightly passionate about his Brooklyn slash LA Dodgers. The Dodgers, yes. Yeah, yeah. So don't say anything uh, disparaging about uh, about Fernando or Sandy Koufax on this on this podcast. So uh, we're going to start this episode like we start all of them, which is with the light bulb. And I would love to hear from you, Dell, about what the light bulb was for for this show specifically, You versus Wild. So I I, I really think Rob and I came to it at the same time. I, I think what had happened is um, Rob and I were filming Running Wild in Africa, uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt episode. And on that plane flight in, Bear and I were coming in from Dubai. I saw a Deadline article um, about Puss in Boots and how they were going to get into kids' interactive television. And I quickly did my research on Puss in Boots over this flight and, and, and noticed that, you know, the, the interactive was just not there yet as far as what you could do. Um, they only allowed you to pick, like, at the beginning two options and at the end two options. And I thought that was really interesting. And I brought it to Bear's attention, and Bear goes, wow, this could be a game changer. And the minute I landed and then we convoyed over to where we were filming for Running Wild, I'd brought it up to Rob and Rob literally goes, I was thinking the same thing. And uh, Rob, who's been an amazing collaborative partner um, on, on many bear shows, Running Wild, Face the Wild on Facebook, uh, You Versus Wild, um, really is the backbone to a lot of the stuff that we do. And I'm forever grateful for him because 
what had happened after I, I had said what he already was thinking, um, he took and ran with it and just made this amazing uh, sketch of this tree of how we can do this branch out here and this branch out there. And then once we got the sign off from the big guy bear, um, you know, myself and Rob and uh, another gentleman, Chris Grant, went into elect, uh, Netflix uh, and, and pitched it. And from there, it was pretty much a no brainer uh, off to the races, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dell and I are cut from the same cloth. We, uh, he knows a lot more about everything than me, but we, we love all the same stuff. Uh, you know, we're victims of the eighties. I always say, um, so, so yeah, so it's not shocking that it was kind of in the zeitgeist and, you know, I'm, I was always trying to figure out what we could do with Netflix just because I think it's such a great platform and our mutual friend, Brandon Rieg is the big dog over there these days. Um, and so, yeah, as soon as we started talking about it, it just, seemed like such a no-brainer and if you watch an old man versus wild literally in the pitch we played an episode of man versus wild paused the tape and said instead of bear telling you what he's going to do right here he's going to ask you what he should do and it was just so so simple like you're, you're like this is entertaining it works this is a guy who can sustain a one-man show um and now you're going to get to help him out um so it's kind of a no-brainer. And then, of course, Bear's international appeal helped because Netflix is all about international. Um, so, yeah, it just came together. And then and then it became, okay, how do we actually do it? Because, I was going to say, I remember the pitch being two. One was the creative idea that they yeah. loved. And then they brought us back in to sit down with the interactive team to yeah. see if it actually worked in their system to totally. make sure that they had the technology to make it work. Yeah. Um, this, then, was, this was... Gosh, so it was a year and a half ago. So this was very pre-Bandersnatch, right? Like the only proof of concept they had had is that Puss in Boots you mentioned, and I think two other animated um, ideas that were, like you said, very simplistic. And it was more about like which, it was almost like which episode are you going to watch rather than which storyline are you going to chase? And so when we suggested doing it much more complicated and live action, and a series instead of a one-off, which all the others have been one-offs. Um, they actually, someone in Netflix coined this phrase of, or, or maybe it's a popular phrase, but I heard it first from a Netflix person, which was, um, we're, we're building the plane as it's flying. Um, and so off we went. <laughs> Good God, and the plane yeah. hasn't crashed yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) in my mind, it crashed several times, but, uh, everyone's, everyone's happy and sipping their drinks in first class. So we'll take it. (laughs) Everyone but the two of you actually have to fly this impossible matrix that I'm sure we'll discuss, right? A lot simpler when there's two options at the front and two options at the back. Oh, big time. Yeah. 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 And they were asking, you know, well, how many options can we do? And can we have all these things? It was just, uh, that analogy is the best analogy though, to this day, because we really had to go, well, what do you want? And they're like, well, what can you do? And then we'd show them, them like, ooh, can we do that? Like, it was always a back and forth, a very healthy back and forth because they were so excited about yeah. it. Okay, so you go in, you pitch it to Netflix. Were there other pitches or was this always designed to go to Netflix because of what you would write on the plane and the relationships and just... Well, it was kind of like destined for Netflix because nobody else now, today is different. It, this was at the end of 2017. Yeah. So nobody else had that kind of capability or at least vocalized it to where we could go and check. Um, so really it was like Netflix or bust with this idea. I mean, if we had this idea now, I, you know, Voodoo yeah. was doing it and Amazon and Facebook, everybody could yeah. do it. YouTube, YouTube just jumped in. Yeah. Um, so yeah. at that time it was kind of like, what do we want to do? Because these are the people that said they could do it. <laughs> Let's go. All yeah. eggs, one basket, go. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it was just them. Yeah. Right. But I guess, you know, hey, good for them for playing yeah. that flag. But now the two of you have also planted a flag. I can only imagine phone calls have come in saying, we want our interactive, da, 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 da. I mean, well, or are you just so specifically we, thinking of Bear now? I was going to say, I, I've had a, a couple calls on that uh, for the Bear world because I'm so tied to Bear and what I do. Um, I don't know. Have you gotten any other like... No, nice I'd like to leave my phone number on this <laughs> podcast. No, um... Uh, no, but we are, we're the ones we're like the YouTubes and the, we're, we're going out with other things. Um, and I think what we're really, uh, hoping for now from Netflix is a season two pickup, which we'll know, uh, supposedly we'll know pretty soon. Yeah. They, they let it, they let it percolate for a little bit, make sure it's not just curiosity, but that people are actually watching for extended periods of time. And then, um, we're hoping we get to do it again. Yeah. You know? we got, we had good news as far as like 
people interacting with it and watching yeah, it too. Yeah. Um, the first month uh, had 28 million uh, people. Like, I don't know. I don't want to ever say watch it, but yeah. like interact Netflix with is it. Super, like, yeah, play yeah. it. Like it's yeah. been really nice to hear like, oh, 28 million. Actually, the breakdown is households because, you know, four people to a household is what they consider a household. So we've had 28 million households play or interact with you versus wild, which is a really crazy number. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the Netflix, you know, cone, cone of silence and metrics and whatnot. Like typically, right. You have a show and there's third party rating systems and this, that, the other Netflix and many other of the sort of next generation competitors don't, don't follow those rules. I mean, as a producer, you know, what, what was the feeling the day that this dropped and how did you even get that kind of information out? Well, well, we got really lucky on that information that I'll get to. But two things that startled me uh, doing a show for Netflix after, you know, doing many shows for your typical networks and everything were the fact that they were very hush hush. Um, they kind of told you you were doing good, but didn't like tell you why you were doing good. But then on top of that, when it came a roll to do the press, when that rolled around, uh, they're very unorthodox. They didn't want us to go do a talk show. They didn't want us to go sit and do this. They had their own way of how they wanted to roll this out specifically. So it was like, well, how do you, how do we support you? And they kind of were like, sit back, we got this. Oh, by the way, here's a bunch of assets. If you could do this on this day for your social media, this on that day on this platform, did it. And then it just like happened. And then on the day it rolled out, I, you know, like typically we're like on Fallon or or Colbert, and we're like, hey, tune in, tune in, tune in, which is another word they don't use because there's nothing to tune into because it's always there. So it was like just a like a, a reboot of all your vocabulary and, and, and figuring out how Netflix works, which is still, you know, I don't get it. But it, again, they've been nice. And the reason why we know the number is they had uh, a week after we launched, they had uh, their uh, earners call or whatever. And uh, Ted on the phone call, uh, their CCO had named it as, you know, as the third, you know, uh, bullet point in all the stuff he was going after on uh, what everything, you know, uh, what's the Umbrella Academy was number one. I can't remember what number two was. That Kevin Costner. Ke Kevin, one, oh, yes. Uh, Kevin, Highway, Highway Man. Highway and then, yeah. and then you versus Wild. So yeah. they mentioned those with the metrics uh, on, on those on that call. So I was like. It hit Forbes. I remember waking up because I get a lot of Google alerts uh, for Bear's name or show names and all that. And I was like, Forbes, 28 million, what? And I click on it. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. this is amazing. So they kind of slowly put that stuff out there as right. to my surprise, as to everybody else's surprise. Hey, well, it keeps you from getting in trouble. So <laughs> right, that's it's true. It's true. out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, do you? it sounds a little bit like maybe they're building the plane as they fly it as well. I think they do. Um, what a very interesting thing I always think back to is like, uh, like the old discovery, a uh, discovery channel model. So they would distribute, they would take us and UK and only release numbers for those markets, but they wouldn't tell you the numbers for all the other international markets. They would just let you know they had a presence there mm -hmm. and they would pump that same kind of stuff over there. And I think that's how Netflix operates in the same way as like, well, you know, we have the content. We don't have to tell you. Oh, by the way, here's our subscriber base. And then that number should be able to allow you to mentally create what kind of number, you know, or, or these you know, people are watching. So that, that's my theory on it. Like, super archaic, but it works. <laughs> well, it clearly is working. And I think just anecdotally, I keep hearing about it. I have kids. I, Rob, I know you have kids. Yeah. I can only imagine... They love it, even though they're biased. We should, yeah. I was, we yeah. should talk to, about Rob's kids because Rob kids were like some of the biggest testers. That's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Sam and Luke, my nine and seven year olds who were um, eight and six when this whole thing was coming together. Uh, we, one day they came into the kitchen and I had note, multicolored note cards laid out on the kitchen table. And I was trying to figure out what we were going to shoot in Panama in two weeks or whatever it was, you know, um, and I literally had them come out and play it like a game board. So I was like, okay, Bear just jumped out of an airplane and now he's in the jungle and he's got two choices. He can use his machete to chop through it or he can follow this river. And I literally had my kids play uh, on the note cards and go, and then they'd lose or win and they would give me notes. They'd be like, no, that's not fair, dad. How was I supposed to know? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and like teaching you these, these kind of innate lessons that come from 
uh, interactivity with, you know, about um, consequences and the perception of fairness to your consequences, right? And all those things, like things that you kind of intuitively know, but when you have a kid um, getting frustrated with the show that they're playing, you know, you're like, oh yeah, don't do that. Your viewer will turn on you kind of thing. Um, well, and if you're testing it with eight and six year olds, everything's going to end with that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some of that too. Right. Yes. Um, but anyway, so, so that's right. And then, you know, at the rough cut stages, you know, they would watch the rough cuts and we, we would go back into the edit and be like, dude, dude my kid tuned out. He didn't care. He just wanted to know if he was right or wrong, you know, and, and we kind of, you know, formed it that way a little bit. And as far as the, the uh, kind of reception today, it's so hard to tell, you know what I mean? Um, but I do know that a lot of people like on my own social media and stuff are like, dude, we watched that and we loved it. And my kids love it and stuff. And I don't get that on the other shows we do, you know? So I'm, I'm it's, and I'm surprised and grateful because we really straddled this world of um, reality and scripted um, and the suspension of disbelief. I was worried didn't work and it, and I, and I wonder still if it works for adults as much, but I think kids are totally fine with it. Like they're like, I get to control bear and it's real. And, um, that's so cool because it's, it's just like when we were kids playing with action figures. And I remember watching a, a Netflix doc actually called the toys that made us. And they were talking about the phrase in masters of the universe. I have the power, which was he man. Right. But it was all about like kids in their lives in a lot of ways feel powerless because they have all these rules and mom and dad control their, you know, everything from the moment they wake up to when they go to bed. And it's like, I have the power was a great slogan. And it, they talked about how successful that line of toys was because it empowered children, right? Especially little boys. So that is kind of exactly what this does with your action figure, Bear Grylls is like you, and Bear always says that almost every city he's like, you're in charge here you decide, you know, and it's like, kids love being in charge, you know, especially when it's a life or death situ situation and, you know, it's exciting and cool. So I think that's why it really works. And, uh, it's awesome. Well, know? and you know, child labor laws aside, I think the fact <laughs> that you put major kids, the guinea pigs, which I've done as well. I'm yeah. about to take a project to market. Funny enough, something that uh, was working up with Damla also, uh, cool. Netflix yeah. friend, and we both had our kids help us with the research totally. because this was something we wanted them to engage with. And that's a mistake that I see made constantly at the production company and the network level, mm -hmm. which is who are you making this for? Yeah. Who's your audience? And I remember, sorry, go back early in my career, I was working for a company that made a lot of shows for MTV and I was MTV age. And I remember one of the executives coming to me saying, please come to our meetings, please contribute because you're the only one who's actually our viewer. And people, just a side note, you know, I think people get a little bit distracted from who the actual viewer is because, yeah. you know, especially in this fragmented marketplace. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that you, you brought your kids to it. Yeah. You know, do they get EP credit? Uh, no, no, but they get, they get free uh, room and board <laughs> for a few more years. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, all right. Well, you know, this is obviously not your first bear show. And you mentioned that this is sort of a hybrid of scripted and mm -hmm. reality. Uh, was your sort of production and pre-production model quite different then from other shows that you've gone into? I mean, you had to obviously map out a hundred different scenarios, but you're still picking crazy locations and I'm sure all the same insurance and, you know, this, that, the other. I mean, what was the process like in putting this show together, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the other dozen bear shows with the, you've done? With the physical production kind of was the same. It, it, it was the amount we had to do because if we get bear doing a backflip out of a plane on running wild, we're kind of like, boom, done onto the next thing. But then in this instance, we have to get him backflip and then we got to get him front flip. And then we have to get the different landings or you have to get the different dialogue that corresponds with that. So what do you think every setup or every choice that bear yeah. put out there, one thing turned into four things. Yeah. It was like, yeah. So in a lot of ways, this one, uh, UV Wild, was easier because I just had Bear and not a celebrity. And the the reason why that gets complicated is just the celebrity schedules and like, when are we going to shoot it with Bear and Channing Tatum? And where is that going to be? You know, that like, that's kind of a nightmare. Um, but this was equally a nightmare because of what you just said of the complexity of everything we did, having four, two or four iterations. And then the, the, um, 
you know, having a script supervisor because Bear's not supposed to be muddy in this scene. And then we start shooting it out of sequence because we have that freedom, right? So it's like, well, we'll shoot these four scenes uh, today uh, and and which, which lead into these other four scenes, but it's a much better location over there and we're not going to be there till next Tuesday. So we got to remember Bear's pants are dirty next Tuesday when we go shoot that scene. So very much like a film, um, which I went to film school and kind of remembered the pain and suffering of that experience. <laughs> but um, I think what we did is we we made little movies on an unscripted budget and time frame, yeah. which is kind of insane. Um, and if we were to do it again, I think we'd, we'd need a little bit more breathing room there just to, and we, we've already talked about how to do that. Um, but it was, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. And um, uh, I always, uh, I laugh, but, and I, yeah, I'll just be completely honest. There were a few times out there where I thought for sure this was never going to work and my career was over. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, I literally, and you know, I, I was just like, this is a mess. I, how is this going to work in the Bay? You know, it, it, there were a lot of things about it that I was sure was not going to work and we were doomed. Um, uh, and I just stayed positive cause I had to, and kept, kept going. And then sure enough, it's a, it's a, it appears to be a semi-success, which is incredible. So. <laughs> so you know what? If this is the end, what a career it's been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Been yeah. Right. Yeah. I might have to go do some, uh, make an yeah. honest living somewhere for the rest of my life. God yeah, well, forbid. we got nominated for a Critics' <laughs> Choice this morning. So yes, you, yeah. you go out with a Critics' Choice Award. <laughs> there you go. I've actually thought that on half the shows I've worked on. Though. I think that's, that's part of like the, the curse of being a producer is like, ah, oh, it's got to be better. It's never good enough. Well, we talk about that a lot also, though, that the ideas that seem to resonate are the ones that are almost impossible. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, how the True. fuck did they pull this off? Right? It seems to be a good formula for, I'm going to watch yeah. this. So, okay, well, you mentioned the nightmare of the 93 different iterations of the backflip versus the front flip and, and the ripple effect versus the nightmare of shooting with A-list celebrities on, uh, you know, on NBC. I guess one is a nightmare you can control and one is one that you can't. Is that ultimately the, the major difference? Yeah. And which one would you choose? Well, that's, that, that's a hard one because each one of them come, you know, has their own stress factors. Yeah. I think with dealing with Running Wild, it's just really difficult because, you know, Bear has his schedule and then we have to match up celebrities to that schedule. Or if the celebrities said they're going to do this date, then we have to move stuff in Bear's world. And in Bear's world, you know, we're shooting seven different shows uh, in, a, in a calendar year. You know, Running Wild, you know, is, is I would call like the A1A show. That, that we that we have to pay the most attention to because of the sensitivities to the celebrities and the schedules and the locations and the people that and we have a brilliant uh, journey team that we send out there to you know make sure that we can get out there and actually film because you need those permits and yada 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 and with you versus wild it's kind of like oh we don't have to wait for the celebrity we, yeah. get, we just know that we're on March 1st, we're going to be out there for two weeks filming. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other end, if we're waiting for a celebrity, we don't know if we're going to shoot March 1st or March 15th or yeah. not at all, you know? So that is the number, I think the number one stressful thing is just lining up those, yeah. you know, the schedules of the uh, celebrities. And then on the unfortunate part too is like, we, we want the best celebrities. <laughs> so their schedules are even harder you know, to, to pull, like if we want the Chris Hemsworths or the rock, you know, you have to kind of sit there and go, okay, when, when do you guys, when can you shoot? You know, like instead of delivering the message to the other celebrities of like, can you do this week, you know, trying to make it easier for us. So, yeah. We're going back to season one of that show, sorry to switch gears yeah. for a little bit. I mean, did you feel confident that you were going to be able to book it? In the way that, uh, that NBC probably wanted you to? I don't know how much of a secret I can tell on this one, but I'll just let it go and say uh, we were supposed to do eight episodes and we ended up doing six uh, because it got very difficult. And we only, as all shows go, we, you know, we're, we're making a network show. Uh, we have to deliver it by X date for it to film in the summer. Uh, but we had started just a little late in our like four or five month window of shooting which you have to, we have to film, we have to cast, we have to get the locations, we have to do all of that. Just kind of came down to, okay, NBC's like, you're going to get another season, don't worry about it, but we got to take two episodes back because you're not going to be able to deliver them. And that was actually, to this date, one of our latest delivery dates we ever had. I remember wrapping 4th of July weekend with Channing Tatum, and we were on 
two weeks like the show is airing two weeks later which yeah. is just insane and they, and they of course they were like can you move Channing up to the premiere because he's our <laughs> biggest name we we're like sure yeah uh, so, yeah well, so then, which you know every show goes through all that nonsense so, yeah so yeah. then second season came around and they let us you know gave us a little bit more lead time and casting and and, and getting out there and you know put it in around the same date for airtime which it wasn't too difficult that second season because they gave us more time on you know earlier so but that's yeah yeah it's just very very difficult yeah i i he's right running casting running wild is a nightmare but shooting it is a joy um it's inevitably and maybe we've just been lucky knock on wood the celebrity shows up they're actually happy to be there they're away from their agents and managers and the straight you know i literally have to take away their cell phone so they're free in a lot of ways um and they're really good television. So as a producer, you know, you're so used to like, okay, when I interview you, you're going to look into the lens and make sure you use a complete sentence and, you know, all that stuff. They have been doing it forever on a very high level. So they, they just turn it on and they know exactly what to give the camera for the most part. So it's, it's once the pre-production's tough, um, there's a lot that goes into it. You don't just show up and, you know, throw celebrity out of a helicopter into the ocean. There's a lot that goes into that. Um, but once it's happening, it unfolds in it's 10 times funnier or scarier or crazier than it was on paper, and, and which oftentimes, as you know, in Unscripted, it's the opposite. It sounds great on paper and then you get there and it's like the talent's just flat or whatever. And that doesn't happen on this show. The talent usually is really popping and, and so funny and, you know, the unexpected happens and, and you roll with that. And it's just, just a, a real joy to make. And it's a joy to cut too. We don't shoot for very long. There's only two characters. They're in a beautiful place. Every episode's different. So it's so fun to cut. Um, so running wild's a dream. Once you get the cast member and bear in the jungle, you know, <laughs> getting them there is the tough part. Is that the biggest difference? I mean, you've done a lot of celebrity shows over the years. That's yeah. where we first really yeah. worked together, yeah. you know, all those years ago. Is the biggest difference with uh with the running wildcast that that they really want to be there i mean versus maybe on some of the earlier reality shows where they're just doing it for a paycheck yeah well i feel like celebrity rehab which is what you're referencing right that was our our kind of thing i feel like they were there because they needed help and we were essentially um forcing them to change against their will which was why that was such a great show um it was transformational and i feel like running wild is um, we're literally giving them a, 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 there's some of that, you know, the idea of like nature, um, changing you and adrenaline and facing your fears. But for the most part, they're getting the adventure of a life. It reminds me of the movie total recall a mm. little bit where it's like, they show up and they're like, you know, I'm an accountant in my life's boring. And not that being an actor is boring, but you know, they're like, uh, you know, they're used to shooting two or three scenes a day and spending half the time in their trailer waiting. And when we're the opposite, it's, as soon as they wake up, we throw a mic on them and they're like, where are you taking me? And they don't know. And they're like, where's Bear? And they don't know. And then Bear comes in and what they have no idea what they're in for. And they love it. Um, so they're, they're, they're not resisting me. Instead, instead, they're looking to me for like, what do you need me? What do you need from me here? Because I'm like, they're just, um, they're uh, cut off and isolated, you know, and they, they're like, I don't know, they're, they're not in control, I guess is what it is. And they so they they um they're really cool to the producer especially because you're you're their you're their life raft you know what i mean See, they better be or they're yeah. not yeah they're not yeah. coming home with, with with all their digits yes. and their limbs so i'm literally holding their wallet and their phone so they, they have to be nice to me you know what i mean how many times yeah. i've had to like in that situation where like hey i'm gonna take your bag do i have permission because yeah. i always feel like we're taking somebody's yeah. stuff because totally. they're not gonna see their personal yeah. effects for yeah, yeah, 48 hours. So I'm like, it's, it's yeah. with me. Remember me. We yeah. have it. Well, I, uh, except for maybe one celebrity you had on. I think the rules might have been a tiny bit different uh, when you're president of the United States. Yeah. That um, that was... Uh, he doesn't carry a wallet, I'm guessing. No, he does No, not at all. Actually, that's my favorite episode ever that I've ever done in any kind of television just atmosphere. Like, I to this day, I look at a picture and you know like i remember actually taking a picture of rob with the president took a picture of my sound guy jimmy with the president took, you know i actually ended up for some reason that day i can't even remember that's how like fast it was i actually was the official photographer on that trip i was up there to do my job but 
we had to get up there so quickly. Uh, we actually had to put together like uh, a camera crew we really never worked with because our other camera guys we had sent out to China because we were going out to China to do the version of Running Wild in China. So we were there with like this group of people who aren't as familiar together. They get to shoot with President Obama. They get to shoot with President Obama. <laughs> and I remember looking at Vicky, who was our executive producer on uh, Running Wild uh, at that time uh, with Rob and I, and she was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the photographer. And I just remember to this day going like, I, I have a background in photography, can I do it? And then that, you know, like that was that. And then I don't remember anything else outside of getting a photo with the president and it was just a you know an amazing experience and rob rob had the tough part though because he had to ask the president a load of questions and our kind of questions too yeah like would you drink your own pee yeah. i thought that was the boldest most bravest moment yeah in rob's career is asking yeah. the sitting president by the way i'm saying yeah anderson <laughs> cooper didn't ask that in yeah. any debates yeah I just, I was so nervous. I literally just shut down emotionally and did my job. Yeah. You know, like literally I would, you know, I was just like, okay, cool. And I literally just did what I had been doing for 15 years in reality TV. And I was like, they just talked about urine. I have to ask now about urine to narrate that conversation. What would it take for you to drink your own urine, Mr. President? You know, um, and there's 70 secret service people like give you the eye of like, what the, f we, we don't talk to him that way, but he answered cause he's a cool cat. And you, you also get good at reading people. And he, he was so cool. Like, was so you're cool. just like, dude, he'll think this is funny, you know? So Amazing. yeah, Amazing. we well, did get to meet all the cool legendary people you don't think exist, but exist like the oh, yeah. taste tester, you know, like, they had the guy there that's going to, you know, taste all his food before he eats it. Or the, what they called the meat blanket, the guy that yeah. jumps on the president just in case there's a situation and yeah. a nuclear Who's football guy. Who's not allowed to be more than 10 feet away from the president. <laughs> Which so to get our wide shots, we had to beg him to, to step, take a few steps back. Um, yeah. Not bad. Yeah, not good, bad. It, was, it, was an, it was an amazing experience. All right. So have you, wait, okay. So I guess from where you started with Bear to the president of the United States to obviously all the interactive stuff that we're yeah. talking about here today. Like you could not have imagined that this was going to turn into, I mean, by my count, 13 series, yeah. different series. Yeah. I mean, what was the initial sort of thought and plan going back to sort of the early days of your working with bear? Oh, you know, the, the, there was none. <laughs> we, uh, were and this, this is public knowledge. You can Google it. Uh, we got into, so I, I joined bear in the last two seasons of man versus wild and we were in a contract situation with Discovery Channel um, that just wasn't really great. Uh, and we had the insane exclusivity that we're, where we couldn't work with anybody else. And Bear was like, I don't want to do Man vs. Wild anymore. We, at that point, you know, that was 60 episodes. And we ended up doing 74 episodes of Man vs. Wild. So it was kind of like a, we were hoping it was winding down. Uh, but instead, uh, Discovery came with a couple other shows that were like, you got to do these shows. They're in your contract. And we just looked at that and we we're like, we, we can't do this. So we did what I would never recommend anybody to do is put your feet, just dig our feet in the ground. And we got fired, <laughs> got fired from Discovery Channel <laughs> uh, because we just couldn't do it anymore. And what had happened uh, when you do this to a network they don't allow you just to walk away peacefully and go do your own stuff. Uh, there's kind of like a public you know, humiliation that goes on. And I remember waking up um, in the morning uh, to, my, to my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and I looked at my phone. I was just like, they said, you know, Bear Grylls is fired from Discovery Channel. And I, my heart just dropped like, you can't, I'm a person from the Midwest you know, you, you say you're sorry, and if you did mess up, nobody else really knows about it because you, you have that gentleman quality of not spreading gossip or trying to get even or revenge. You know, you just go your own way and do your own stuff. So I was just like kind of blown away. And I had uh, Keith, our lawyer, who's still our lawyer, call me up and say, well, <laughs> you guys got your wish. You got out of your contract, but now we need to sit and figure out some other stuff. So I would say that was a really rough year um, and for Bear and I trying to figure out how to get uh, back on TV because since because we were fired, you know, we, we couldn't do any work on television for two years because we had to let that exclusivity lapse. So we were without a job for a year. And over that year, 
um, between myself, Keith, and, an, and a gentleman that ha- we had uh, met, his name, Chris Grant <laughs> at Electus. Uh, he said, well, let me try to talk to a few people. And uh, what it came down to, um, uh, the head of uh, head of legal at Discovery, Lee Bartlett and Bear, had a uh, like a nice dinner <laughs> in Switzerland. Um, just uh, where Bear's just like, you know, he's not a mean person. Bear is like the loveliest guy. And he's just like, why would you do this to me? And, you know, Lee representing the network just said, we're the network and we got to flex that power. We can't have all of our talent do what you did. And slowly but surely, uh, we said, how can we get this done so we can go back to work? Cause we're not making any money. And they said, Hey, do a show at that time. Uh, DNI, the international version of discovery was still up and running. They said, Hey, do a show for us over here. You can pick it out of these three and we'll allow you to go back to work in America. And so with that, Chris Grant then, uh, talked to us about uh, coming to Electus, um, who's home of Running Wild and You versus Wild, um, through a partnership with Walmart um, and a relationship Walmart had with NBC. And that's how we got back into the mainstream of things with a show called Get Out of Lot, Get Out Alive, which was NBC's like shot at trying to go after that outdoor adventure, you know, elimination type show. Um, kind of Survivor, kind of. Um, good. amazing race. Yeah. Hey, everything mixed in them. So what we did was sign two years on with, uh, NBC, uh, get out alive, uh, did really good, but not good enough for the, for the money. They said, do you have any other shows? And I said, yeah, we have the show called, uh, um, off the grid. And it's loosely based on this Will Ferrell thing that we did, and which was like the number one show you know, on, on, you know, man versus wild discovery channel at that time. And they were like, Oh, so could we do this? And we looked into it. We, you know, wrote up the format cross T's dot I's. And they said, yeah, we can. Everybody's like, yeah, great. And they bought the show called off the grid, which ended up becoming running wild. And then once they bought that, um, two weeks later, Rob, I met Rob in Santa Monica. Yep. He came because uh, we were bringing him on uh, to run the show. So, And how long ago was that? Uh, six years ago. Five or six years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Running Wild's on yeah. season five right yep. now. We're filming season five. And right it takes now, a so. year to film a season, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because of all the celebrities. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. the long and the short of it. I mean, there was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty remarkable because you know, with these shorter order seasons, right? Typically yeah. you come, you do your eight episodes. Okay. See, ya. maybe if I'm available, I'll see you again here yeah. but for you guys. I mean, I guess from this, you, it's not just a show. You've created a whole business of being bear. And like I mentioned, well, 13 series. Yeah. Well, once running wild hit, everybody else wanted their own, you know, version for their country. So, you know, we've done one for, we do one over in UK called bears mission with, we do one in a uh, China called absolute wild. You know, we do all these different varied you know, versions of the show all over because it kind of gave us legs again. And when you put Bear up against Ben Stiller and Zac Efron and Channing Tatum, all of a sudden it elevates us, it elevates them. And then now you have more power to go in and go, well, look at, we do this for X, you know, amount of money over here. We could do the same over here for you, even if it doesn't involve a celebrity. And, you know, you know, uh, Discovery or yeah, Discovery Channel usually has like 450K an hour episodes and we're, you know, we're, we're doing just above that, but who, you know, what major network's not going to want bear with a star for a pretty good discount as far as, you know, shows go. Now in this world of celebrity EPs, have you found that many networks want from executive producer bear girls or do they only want bear when he's on camera? No, no, that's, uh, the, the problem is time. <laughs> um, bears very, very hands-on, uh, which, which is great, uh, because we need it to be in his voice, in his, on his brand, all that kind of stuff. We pretty much nail it most of the time, but he still is on it, you know? So for all the other shows that we've, people have come and go, Hey, we, you know, you and Barry, you want to be executive producer. You want Bear to be on all these other things kind of like just carefully sift through them. Uh, cause a lot of shows we get pitched aren't exactly on brand or if they are on brand, can we work <laughs> enough to keep them on brand time wise? And since bear is the you know face of those 13 other shows, sometimes it comes, becomes a little bit difficult to, you know, get him to get eyes on, you know, those, those pieces. We did a show though that I'm really proud of 
called um, uh, Rescue Everest, and that was on Discovery Channel uh, in the UK. Came out here, and that was really good. And that was our first like foray into you know uh, just us executive producing, but finding the story, um, and that that worked re- out really really well for them. So yeah, we're getting into that. Um, just trying to carve out time. So. How much time did you need to carve out for this show? For you know the one where you versus wild for you versus wild little, 2018 the whole the whole year. I mean it was twenty. So how much yeah. of that was shooting? Oh, shooting uh, about five days an episode um, total. So about twenty seven scenes in five days. A lot of stunts and stuff. Um, so it was uh, really fast. You know, uh, we really did take the reality TV model and do a scripted show, <laughs> like really, but. Where, where it, um, you know, to Brer's credit, he really improvised a lot. So we'd have whatever our script said, you know, Bear, you're going to um, eat a tree to survive, <laughs> you know, and the script would have a couple bullet points in it and Bear would um, stretch that into a two and a half minute scene that was engaging and interesting and full of takeaway and all those things. That's one of the great things about bear is he can just own it and improvise. And I think that's one of the reasons why he works on his brand so much. Like he's so protective is because he has to feel the scene before he'll do it. So, um, or whatever the beat is, if it's a creative beat on running wild, whatever it is, it's like, Hey bear, wouldn't it be funny if you did this and he'll think about it and it'll be, no, you know what we should do. And it, it, it needs to be the thing. He needs to be the tip of the spear of whatever that thing is. Um, if, that's why I think one of the reasons why the show, you know, doesn't it doesn't feel like some Hollywood reality producers are doing are doing crazy stuff out in the wild. It, it feels like Bear, because he is the he's the filter. You know, he's, he's like, nah, I wouldn't do that. Here's what I would do though, and it's better and more authentic. You know, so and he did he brought that to UV Wild too. It's like, hey Bear, you've got to cross this river. You've got two choices here. Here's what we were thinking, A or B. And he'd be like, those are both stupid and I would never do either, <laughs> right? Um, or whatever, you know, he'd say it much nicer than that, but, um, and he'd elevate it, you know what I mean? Which was great. Um, but then you'd have to think about how that affects a scene, you know, four scenes from now, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? In, in the universe while it's so, so, you know, it was, it was like changing on the fly and going going along. But it's what any expert it. brings to these shows, right? And totally. As producers, yeah. right? Yeah, Dr. Exactly. Drew. Yes. Right? Yes. No, that is not how you treat yeah. somebody for... <laughs> yes. Totally. <laughs> you yeah. know, withdrawal, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. So could this model of interactive and choose-your-own-adventure storytelling be applied to just a straight-up reality show? Or is that just not feasibly practical? And would it also get just too mean-spirited? Um, mean-spirited everyone in the days following the launch of Evers Wild wanted to know if you could kill Bear Grylls so I think you're probably right it might get a little Um, mean-spirited I think I mean walk it through doing it in you know a true reality show so um, I want Joe to wear a purple shirt so he looks goofy at the on his date right We've got to film both those scenarios in one of those scenarios, no matter what Joe's got to pretend he is doing it for the first time. Like you've got to film the date twice. Right. So there's no way to keep that completely reality based. You know what I mean? Um, Not unless someone can crack it in some way that I don't understand, but if you're going to keep the power within the individual, so not have it be, what do you think America should Joe wear his purple shirt? That could work. Right. Because then there's only one scenario being filmed. But if you're going to keep the power with the individual and let them really choose what Joe wears to this date, we've got to film both. And therefore, some of it's got to be improvised, you know. Um, So I don't I don't think so. I don't think you could really do that. I don't think so either. I had a conversation last week with Ike, the Netflix of China, and they they brought up the live element of it going, oh, we would we love the choose your own adventure stuff, but can we do a live thing? And at first I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't see why not. But then when you start really thinking about it, we have to be out there. As you were saying, we have to be waiting on a river to make sure a bunch of people choose, but now we're only doing one story that the, that the majority of the group picks. Also, how long do we stay out there? You know, these guys were going, Oh, you'd stay out there for three days. And it's just like three days of not, to be honest, that, 
that's going to get really boring really quick. Not, yeah. not just for the viewers, but for yeah. us being out there for three days yeah. straight. But the one cool thing that they did say, and I really, we could probably think about this for other things, is that they wanted to take and allow the footage after, after they did all the, the choosing of what Bear did and allow the uh, audience to remake, re, or remake, remix, uh, their own 20-minute version of what he did. So they would get their own bespoke episode um, out of all these little, you know, pockets that we would film, and they would create their own, you know, their own little episode of whatever. And I was like, okay, now that's that's something cool and different, allowing the audience to, you know, even for You Versus Wild, if they get through in 32 minutes, how can we export that perfect 32-minute, you know, episode they created technically yeah, yeah. for them to watch later yeah. <laughs> so That's i think there's another element that i feel like we'll be able to touch on where people are able to build their own episode almost like a chipotle bowl you know like, yeah yeah and then they get to yeah. keep and have that or go back through and put different well, scenes already, that we shot in there yeah that's already happening with the animation see right? there you go is there and i can't remember specifically but i've seen those little it's it's very simple stick figure type things but you get to pick with you, you create your avatar yeah. and then you you draw the couch or you put the couch in and it's it's almost like when we were kids those magnetic play oh, yeah. play things where you'd have the character and some yeah. pieces of furniture or whatever and then you yeah. place them in the scene you, you're able to do that video wise now animated when you get into live action i think it becomes <laughs> a whole other yeah it's super interesting um really difficult well, it all goes back to He-Man. I have to yeah, yeah, yeah right? that's true. Totally, yeah. Yeah, and that's more than anything, right? And whether it's interactive storytelling or whether it's just on demand, I want to watch this show when yeah. I want to watch it, the viewer, the consumer, they have the power and, and yeah. they don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, victims of the 80s, all three of us. Yeah. You know, let's go back to a sort of an earlier time here when you were first coming to L.A. and, and you know, figuring out your life. It's the question I ask everyone, which is the advice for your younger self. So we'll start with you, Dell. What, uh, what, what advice would you give young Dell? You know, it's just starting out 25 years old, you know, world is your oyster. Yeah, I would, you know, take it day by day and never compare where you're at against where somebody else is at. We all have a different starting point to where we do things. Um, and I struggled that with that early when I moved out here, um, because other people were doing the things I wanted to do. And I felt like I just couldn't get there. Um, not that the tables have turned, but I've, I've caught up to that. And now not, I don't want to say they're behind me, but it's just comparing, you know, people start at different times. You know, we all have, we all grow differently in our own experiences and everything. Um, so that's, that's exactly what I'd say. Um, day, one day at a time and don't compare yourselves to others because they're at a different point in their lives than you are. Yeah, that's good. Damn. How do I follow that up? Um, gosh, I think. You know, I came out here following my dream, right? And I think that, and I held on to that dream and you protect it and you make sure it stays with you and pure. But also um, when you come face to face with making that, I can only speak for myself. When I came face to face with making that dream a reality, I had to bend with the flow, right? Like there's that old adage about a really rigid tree or break in a hur hurricane force winds, but the blade of grass bends within doesn't break. Right. So, um, I, this isn't exactly what I thought it would like. My dream was to make movies. Um, uh, and I, I was willing to risk it all to make that happen. And then when I got here, you, you learn the reality of what you, of your dream and it's a slightly different than what you were envisioning. And you can either, stand your ground and be and maybe be broken <laughs> mm. or you can you can be like okay the this uh the current of this river is taking me in this direction and i'm gonna go with the flow um and i think it's a balance of fighting that current and rowing your ass off to to get where you need you want to be but also sometimes picking those up the road you know realizing i cannot um go against this current and i needed to let it take me wherever it's going to take me and you end up um right where you're supposed to be you know um well one other thing i would add to that though rob is you couldn't have come here 15 20 years ago yeah. with a dream to make interactive storytelling on a streaming yeah. platform right that's true none of it existed yeah right and so yeah. anyone yeah. coming out now today with whatever your dream is yeah what you're going to be doing in 10 years 
probably doesn't exist today. Right. At least not exactly as you imagine. Yeah, so true. we're all blades of grass. But when, so one thing to add to that, because it's very, very interesting and profound, is when I was, I think, seven or eight years old, I wrote a 40-page choose-your-own-adventure book. And I still have it. Oh, <laughs> so that's awesome. So it's that idea of like, you're right. I couldn't have ever known, you know what I mean? That, but and it's just interesting how it happened. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, and I, and the path I took to get here was not at all. Like I didn't go to, I went to film school, but I didn't get out, start making movies. But you know, it's like this twisted path to get here is just crazy. Does the book hold up? Uh, I, you know what? I haven't dug it out yet. I need to dig it out and let my kids read it. Do this. Yeah. Dig it up when we win an Emmy. There you go. Yeah, that's what I should do. Yeah. Oh, and then just read the whole thing. You know what we should there, do? I should stage. dig it up, take it into Netflix and be like, guys, <laughs> I found this awesome book. Like, I own the rights. <laughs> that's amazing. Who knows? That's really amazing. I love what you guys do. You inspire a lot of people. You, I think, get people to leave their own comfort zone, show them that anything is, is possible. They can be their own superhero and, and be their own boss. So, mm. you know, thank you for that. So last question, though. How many frequent flying miles last year? Oh, this is actually embarrassing. I had 278,000 uh, Avios points for through British Airways and American Airlines. It's not too bad. That's pretty bad for your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I was going to say, you have two kids and a wife, so you have it much yeah. worse than I do. My wife at least understands a little yeah. bit more because my responsibility is less. Well, Kathy, <laughs> Kathy is... Uh, it was really hard when my kids were young, but now it's all good. And as far as the frequent flyer miles... I, they spread me across so many, there's so many airlines you'd never heard of that I end up having to fly. So I have 50K on American, 50K on Delta, 50K on United, 20K on... Air Italia. <laughs> yeah, like whatever, you know, the weirdest, the weirdest airlines. You, you're like, well, that's an actual airline. Where did we fly so, to go to India? God, that, I, I that was the weirdest that, one. I can't remember that, but I have like 12,000 of those miles yeah, that are just yeah. forever. So, yeah, one of the things Kathy's always like, dude, we should book a free trip with all your miles. And I'm like, well... I got enough for one coach ticket on 14 different airlines. <laughs> but also, you <laughs> so all you four of you could fly separate. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You have to save them up because you, yeah. now you can use them for upgrades, which I yes, that's slowly true. learned yes. to do, which yeah. is great. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Good well, times. Yeah. No, exactly. So, you know, your next trip to Hawaii is going to be... Yeah, well, I'll take a different airline and it'll be fine. Yeah, you'll just be waiting at the uh, <laughs> yeah. Honolulu airport for a while yeah. for your seven-year-old to yeah. ride. Yeah, so, exactly. Awesome. Thank cool. you, gentlemen, so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You versus Wild. So there you have it. The real story of you versus Wild. Thanks to Greg Mercer for creating our show art and to Chris Carmichael for composing our music and for all things technical. You can find their respective work at gregorymercer.com and christophercarmichael.com. Thank you as well to our guests, Rob Bukta and Del Schupman, and to my wonderful family for all of their help and support. Also, Please do subscribe to Exec Producer wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram at EP with NP. And since collaboration is at the heart of this project, I'd love to hear from you, the listeners. Please reach out with what you liked, what you didn't like, and any ideas for future episodes. So thank you again for listening, and please come back next time. I'm your host, Noah Pollock. Choose kind. Choose kind.